Hi, listeners. We could use your help, and it just takes a tiny bit of time. If you have five minutes to spare, take our audience survey. It will help us keep the few ads we run relevant to you. Go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey to fill it out. Thanks. And now, here's the show. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Wonderful to see you again. Nice to see you, J. Keith. I have to report that I recently had a rite of passage as a middle-aged person. I had my first colonoscopy last week. Oh, yowzers. Yes, it actually went very smoothly. It really is pretty much just like a nice afternoon nap. So for those of you young people, a yes. colonoscopy is when they shove a camera up your bunghole. Yes, it was not quite explained to me like that in the uh, in the pre-op <laughs> meeting. But in order for them to do that, you have to do all sorts of prep. So actually, the last time we recorded a show, I had been on a clear liquid diet for the day. Yikes. And then the next couple of days, I had to take this prep to, uh, I don't want to be too graphic, but you know, to, to clean things out. And I was very proud of myself. I did everything right. Cut to, I wake up from after the colonoscopy and the doctor says, you're going to have to come back in the next six months because there was too much stuff still in you and we couldn't get a proper look. Oh no. And then here's the worst part on the post report sheet. It said poor prep. <gasps> but I did everything right. I was more disappointed by, by this evaluation than I was from like any test that I failed in <laughs> high school or college. Like, a failed relationship didn't bother me as much as this. I was just so upset. And so now I get to go do this again. Oh, uh, that's... something to look forward to, kids. Mm. <laughs> Helen, how are you? <laughs> Uh, well, I I am not at the colonoscopy age yet, and so I have not had an oscopy yes. of any kind. I'm just so blown away by your your poopy tubes that yes, I, that I is... got nothing I got nothing else to yes. say. And and blown away is the correct phrase. <laughs> Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? She is a singer, songwriter, stage performer, and philanthropist who will be on tour with the musical Hairspray starting this fall and who was voted Miss Congeniality on RuPaul's Drag Race. It's Nina West. Hello. Hello, Nina West. Hi, how are you? Great. It's so wonderful for you to join us. You have been a request of our listeners via Twitter for a long time. We're so <laughs> oh, happy we were able goodness. to make this happen. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever met a literal miscongeniality before. <laughs> yeah, it's something that follows me. I'm a Midwesterner, so you know, I, I wear it proudly on my sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> on RuPaul's Drag Race, you got to do so many cool things. What memories stand out to you from that experience? So if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, the, the, that first entrance is kind of pivotal, I think, to like the success of or your legacy on the show. And yeah. I'll never forget walking in that room and just seeing all of those cameras in front of me. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a... 
That was just the beginning of this roller coaster ride. Oh, yay. Well, I think one of the reasons that people really took to you so much is that you kind of made kindness a brand. Kindness is very authentic to you. What, what does kindness actually mean to you, especially in, in this world of drag performing? It means beating my competitor today. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say beating my face and then my competitor today. <laughs> I'm already snack talking. I'm already snack talking. No, um, <laughs> what it means to me is I all I really do is I just really kind of represent myself in the world. And I, I didn't realize that it was such a novel idea or a brand. I really, you know what I mean? It was because I remember the first time I ever went to a drag show and I encountered a drag queen and I was terrified and I never wanted to feel like that, you know? And so there's this tremendous opportunity to be able to meet people where they're at and talk to people where they're at and try to like have a conversation about the things that we're all experiencing and talk about what makes us different and celebrate our differences and our, our identities. And the only way we can really do that is if we approach each other with kindness and with, uh, I mm. think, you know, humility and grace and being willing to talk to one another. You know what I love about that is that I, it was news to me that I learned kind of recently that dra um, RuPaul's Drag Race is so popular with kids. Huge. And, and Huge. kind of youngish kids, like 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I think showing them, you know, as sort of a, a model of kindness is very, very important, you know, on top of the competition and the creativity. Yeah, you've got all these kids walking down school hallways going, work, yes, queen, work. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to lunch? Work. <laughs> Have you had kids come up to you after the show? I thought you were going to ask me, have I had kids? No, no, no. I have a kids tied. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, what's really crazy is, is like when you do experiences like DragCon or like even like myself, like I released a kid's album, like like primary children, like, you know, like preschool. But mm -hmm. you have these kids who are just so open-minded and so willing to have conversations that I never dreamt of as mm. uh, you know, it's a 10 or 12 or 15 year old kid. Another example of how representation matters. It does. Well, that's the thing. It, it sounds so simple, but like when you see yep. yourself, you I, I, when I saw myself finally, and I don't even know what age I was, I felt almost saved. You know, I felt mm. almost redeemed and, and remind and told that I was okay. Like that's, wow. and that matters. Well, uh, Helen mentioned that you were going to be touring with the musical Hairspray starting this fall. It is a really long tour. I was looking at the dates that have just been announced so far, <laughs> going to, to big cities and to small cities. Yeah. Is there any destination in particular that you're looking forward to playing in? Um, Appleton, Wisconsin. I've heard of it. I was going to ask you about Appleton. <laughs> Hello. It's like a what? secret gem. I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the tour for the first leg. And so that's like over 60 cities. Yeah. It's a 10 month contract for the first start for me. And we'll see what happens. I've never done anything like this. This is a dream of mine. And um, I, I'm playing Edna Turnblad. Hello, it's legendary. <gasps> Divine. Yes. Wow. Yeah, this is legend. This is like stuff of drag legend. And so I'm really excited to like shake my fanny and, you know, <laughs> share a message of love and hope with the rest of the country. Well, we're excited that you chose to metaphorically, although maybe literally, <laughs> shake your fanny with us and join us today. Of I'll course. Mina West, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, Helen, against whom will Nina be competing? He is a comedian and film critic who hosts the podcasts Medium Popcorn and Drunk Black History. It's Brandon Collins. Hello, Brandon Collins. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. 
Great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Medium Popcorn is a movie criticism show. Uh, explain the title. Why a medium popcorn? Well, we were just trying to, you know, brainstorm some some titles and we both like like the medium size of popcorn because it's not <laughs> too big. It, it fulfills you even in the two plus hour movie. You can yes. you can rock with a medium popcorn. So the subtitles actually niggas spoiling movies. But if you listen to our theme song, you'll hear us singing that over yeah. a cover of Easy Lover, which is the best theme song on a podcast. No offense to you guys, but it's insane. It's an insane movie. Review. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm going to focus on the Phil Collins uh, aspect of it. Um, why, the, why the Phil Collins song Easy Lover as your, uh, as your theme song? We were like playing around with a, a few different songs and just the bass and the drums. It just, mm. It's such a phenomenal song. And so one of my favorite moments of the past year is Earth, Wind, and Fire did a versus with Ron, uh, the Isley Brothers. Mm-hmm. And the second to last song Earth, Wind, and Fire did was Easy Lover. And oh, in wow. the versus chat, people started saying medium popcorn. And I was like, I feel like I made it. You made it. That's fantastic. You and your co-host and the podcast was featured on RogerEbert.com. As a film critic, I imagine that that was a special honor. Was Ebert a a big influence for you? Uh, Absolutely. We often get referred to as the Black Cisco and Ebert. I watched that show (laughs) a lot when I was a kid, which is kind of strange to be like seven years old and watching two elderly white men talk about movies, but <laughs> to get that opportunity to be interviewed by a journalist for rogerieber.com was incredible and it actually opened up a lot of doors for us because after oh, that wow. we got invited by Ron Tomatoes to be accredited critics with them <gasps> and that continued to open more doors for us you did another podcast called drunk black history i have to ask why drunk why black why history the show is an opportunity for us to talk about black historical figures or events that haven't gotten their due and Mm. it allows you to kind of talk about some really sensitive subjects and content while folks feel relaxed they feel like they're you know part of this intimate you know club we have a global audience now because of the pandemic we've been having international fans that come and watch our show and listen to our podcast and you know, it's to keep it going because there's so many people that we need to make sure that people understand their contributions uh, to America. I'm glad that you're doing that because it's I think for the general population, it's hard to find black history a lot of the time because it's just it's whitewashed in our, you know, in our public education system. And, and to not make it feel like homework, I think, is a real accomplishment. Also, give give people an, an in to, to really accessing it. Absolutely. And, and the show's been really educational for me because yeah. I've been learning a lot about my people's history being able to, to learn these stories and share them with the audiences has been incredible. That's so cool. Last thing I want to ask you about uh, for your podcast, you do a Patreon like a lot of podcasts do. And I was very amused to see uh, the different photos of a certain celebrity that you use to, d- to differentiate the different levels of your Patreon support. Walk us through why you chose that person and what the, what the different pictures are. Well, you know, our show, we have uh, relationships with some celebrities and Idris Elba happens to be one of them. So no. occasionally we'll call Idris and he'll <laughs> shout out our new Patreon subscribers. What? You uh, have Idris's number? Ooh. Yes, yes. We call him uh, on the show. You hear him. You uh, hear you're the... suddenly my best friend. That's awesome. <laughs> it is, uh, we have a very big black female audience and they love Idris. And so, you know, they, they sometimes sign up just to hear Idris say their name. <laughs> Uh, and so it's, it's worth it for us because we get a little something to support the show and they get to, uh, you know, have a soundbite that they can go to sleep with. Honestly, I'm sweating right now thinking about Idris Elba. <laughs> I'm like, I'm literally sweating thinking about Idris Elba saying my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, we have carefully crafted uh, the format for today's show. I'm happily to abandon all of it if you want to get Idris on the, on the phone right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's available. He only is available oh. when we're recording with my co-host. Oh, <laughs> that's, right. 
that's so interesting that he ha always happens to know when that is. Well, regardless, we're certainly happy to uh, have you join us today, Brandon Collins. Thank you. All right, we ask each of you to provide us with a few different topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Nina, you said you know a lot about 1990s Disney animated movies, the musical Wicked, and Columbus, Ohio. Whereas Brandon, you said you know about the movie The Dark Knight, why Scream is the best horror film ever, and Googling. Later on, we'll ask some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics for each of you. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, car sick. First up is Nina with car. Nina, if either one is bad, it might make you car sick. But on a car, what's the difference between the purpose of shocks and struts? Shocks and struts. The difference between shocks and struts. Okay, I'm going to yes. say it probably has something to do with maybe the impact of uh, vibrations from the road. Okay, great. I think you're onto something. So what is the difference between the two and how they impact vibrations on the road? I think the shocks take the impact and the struts level out the impact. It feels like, and, or you can shock and strut down a runway, I'm sure. <laughs> you certainly can. That's definitely why we asked you this question first. I mean, I've strut, I've strutted plenty of times in my time. <laughs> yeah, and, and, have, and have been shocked. And have caused some shock, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, we have Nina's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Brandon, if you don't think she's got it just right, you can steal. What do you think, Brandon? I believe that shocks um, absorb the impact and the strut's mm -hmm. what balances it out so it doesn't impact the car. All right. Well, this segment has left us all in shock. Let's strut over to Helen Hong <laughs> at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A shock absorber, also known as a shock, is a tube filled with hydraulic fluid or pneumatic gas. Its only purpose is to make the ride smooth. A strut is also a hydraulic tube, which helps smooth the ride, but it also has another major job, to suspend the vehicle off the ground. Oh. It does this in conjunction with springs and pivot points and steering knuckles. Helen, always happy to chime in about steering knuckles. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's my jam, steering knuckles. <laughs> Yes, uh, that's right. And uh, because struts hold the car off the ground, struts are what get modified in order to give the look of, let's say, a monster truck or a low rider. And as we all know, the low rider is a little slower, rides a little higher, is a real goer. <laughs> Helen, how did they do in that? I think, Nina, you got shock correct. Okay. Yeah, okay. you said it, it absorbed, right? You It takes the impact of the road. Um, but you didn't, not, neither one of you got struts correct. So Nina, I think one point for you on that. Okay. One point for Nina, which I think may shock herself. <laughs> <Nina>. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Wow, I did give myself a pat on the back. Yeah. Yes, queen. Okay, okay. Yes, queen indeed. <laughs> uh, all right, one point for Nina. Up next in car sick is Brandon with sick. Brandon, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, hit it. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Tom Ryan from Cincinnati, Ohio. My question for what's the difference is, well, they both might be indications that you got sick in a car or anywhere else. When assessing an illness, what's the difference between a sign 
and a symptom. A sign and a symptom. Love the show, Jay Keith and Helen. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank oh, you, Dr. Tom thank Ryan. You. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Dr. Ryan. All right, Brandon, you heard the good doctor. What is the difference between a sign and a symptom? I think a sign is um, is when you start uh, noticing something, but you haven't been able to prove it. And mm. when you're visibly exhibiting a form of sickness, whether that's, you know, nausea, sweating, maybe upset stomach, like those are symptoms. I'm pretty smart. That's my definition. You are, you are pretty smart, <laughs> but smart people can still get things wrong. We'll see if you did. Uh, we do have that wonderful answer from Brandon. We don't know yet if you're right or not. Nina, what do you think? Okay, I'm going to say a sign is the... Um, is the outward appearance and the symptom is the okay. is the in, is the internal physical. I don't know if that makes sense, but like a sign mm-hmm. would be it does. like you know a sign is like the outward expression where you're showing uh-huh. signs of fatigue and the symptom would right. be like exhaustion. Well, this segment is showing signs of needing to end. Let's go to Helen Hong <laughs> at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. A sign is something that a medical worker can see themselves. A rash, a nosebleed, or unconsciousness, these are signs of illness. A symptom is something that cannot be seen and must be reported by the patient. A headache, loss of taste, a tingling sensation, these are symptoms. That's right. Of course, you can still be sick without any signs or symptoms, which is why, for instance, if you're eligible, you should get vaccinated. Although I'm sure I don't have to tell our listeners that. Right? Right? Helen, how did our guest do? Nina, I'm going to give you both points on that. Yeah, Nina nailed yeah, it. Congratulations. I you got it. Yeah. It's, it's the outward, you said outward appearance versus internal physical. And that mm-hmm. is, yeah, that's correct. It's it's something out that visibly can be seen versus something that needs to be reported. So two points for Nina. Two points for Nina. Yeah, Brandon, I think you got it flipped a little bit there, but uh, Nina did get it exactly right. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Nina West has three points and Brandon Collins has zero points. Oh, man, just, I got a zero. Just call me Meredith Gray. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, we have been doing ads for Magic Spoon for several months, and I have an exciting breakthrough to report. Ooh. I recently received an email from a, a longtime pal and actually a former boss of mine who said, You've worn me down so much, I'm about to order a case of Magic Spoon. I hope it's as good as you say. (laughs) And I was able to reply back and say, OMG, it is so delicious, you will not be disappointed. (laughs) We then then went on to have a friendly chat about which flavors I recommend and the whole thing. And uh, as we speak, he's uh, awaiting delivery of his Magic Spoon. And I'm so happy for him because Magic Spoon has brought me so much happiness. You know, if you've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar, sometimes it feels like you can't eat anything anymore, especially when it comes to breakfast cereal. But you know what you can eat? Magic Spoon. It's so good. And it doesn't just taste good. Helen, tell them why it's good nutritionally. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, 140 calories, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, all the frees. And low carb. You can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. 
And when my friend asked me for recommendations, I told them that my favorites are fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cookies and cream. But try them all. You'll see what you enjoy the most. They're so delicious and indulgent. And they're perfect for a midnight snack. Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon. We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Nina West and Brandon Collins. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Nina West, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1990s Disney animated movies, the musical Wicked, and Columbus, Ohio. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose 1990s Disney animated movies as a topic important to you. Oh my gosh, I grew up watching, you know, basically the Disney Renaissance and I fell in love with it. It's something that just became so comfortable to me. You know, how do you, how can you not love the princess saga <laughs> with the music of Ashman and Mencken. Come on. It's the best. All right. Next, you said you know a lot about the musical Wicked. <laughs> I think it was one of those things that I was just excited to talk about because yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, what does Wicked mean to you? I think I've seen it th- maybe three to five times uh, over the course since it came out in 2003. I'm obsessed with Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth. Um, I Same. Think- what do you love about Wicked so much? What do you think about it appeals to you? The story. I mean, come on. It's, mm. it's kind of why I love these 90s Disney films, right? In the same way, here we have this story of a girl who doesn't fit in, who uses mm. her own individuality as her strength. Something I've definitely grabbed onto in my own career. It's like, you know, how do I use my queerness as my strength, as my superpower. Mm. I love that about Wicked. I, I love that it's, you know, not really a in your face queer through line, but it really is for so many of us. So come on, girl, you better defy gravity. Grab that broom. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't hurt that the songs are amazing. I mean, Stephen Schwartz is brilliant. Yeah, the songs yeah. are so good. Wicked is one of my favorite musicals as well. And I love it because it's a story that we all know that's just mm-hmm. turned on its head. It was just so cleverly done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there yeah. is that element too, right? What makes it more, even more gay, but The Wizard of Oz. Hello, <laughs> Judy Garland. <laughs> I mean, it's like, let's just yeah. keep going. You know, and right. it's just... <laughs> Is he behind a curtain or in a closet? You you be the judge. You know what? Some say both. Behind the curtain in a closet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And finally, Nina, you said you know a lot about the city of Columbus, Ohio. I didn't grow up here, but I have lived here for the last 20 years after I graduated college. I'm in Columbus right now. You know, so depending on what you ask me, Mm -hmm. hey, I could probably 
<laughs> Hopefully no. <laughs> I think you're being a little modest. You actually have a street named after you in Columbus, Ohio. I do. It's a, it's a, it's a small little alley that goes east, even though I mean a west. You know what? Oh, Details. Hilarious. Details. Yeah. Yeah, you can walk the other way. You can wait. What is it, Nina West Place or something? It's called uh, uh, Nina West Way. The Nina <gasps> West Way. Yeah. Nice. Wow. Yeah, it's Very um, it's cool. pro- it's a really short little. It's just a short little alley, but it's a, it's all mine. <laughs> That's so so cool. That's cool. All That's right. Really cool. So to summarize, Nina, you said you know a lot about 1990s Disney animated movies, the musical Wicked, and Columbus, Ohio. Today we're going to quiz you about. 1990s Disney animated movies. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, uh, what is it about the 1990s animated movies as opposed to other eras that appeals to you? It's when I was a young lass. It's when I was a young Uh lady sitting in front of my television with a VHS recorder. Kids, a VHS tape is. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're dating ourselves. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic needed to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Brandon, do listen closely because if Nina answers incorrectly, you can steal. Brandon, by the way, how much do you know about 1990s Disney animated movies? I mean, I'm all about the Disney renaissance. Uh, you know, for for me, like Little Mermaid, uh, Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast saw all these opening weekends, saw Lion King uh, conservatively 20 times in the movie theater. I actually uh, remember my mom after school bringing the VHS when it got released on video. And I declared to everyone, because my my best friend from my childhood still reminds me of this. I declared to everyone, I'm going to watch this every day for the rest of my life. Uh, I'm all about the 90s. Rude. Did you then hold up the VHS and go, ah, rumba? <laughs> All right, Nina. Well, it sounds like Brandon is ready to pounce if you should miss any of these. Let's see how you oh, do. Here's man. question okay. number one. Nina, in 1991, what tale as old as time became the first animated movie ever nominated for Best Picture Oscar? Now, feel free to answer. Be our guest. Oh, oh, that's adorable. Obviously, <laughs> it's you. the classic Beauty and the Beast, which did you know they had to change the category to stop allowing animated films to be nominated for Best Picture as a result of that nomination, I believe. <gasps> Helen, when you are done gasping, is that the correct answer? That is the correct answer. Beauty it is, and the Beast. of course, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. You did not need the hint for this one, but I know, Helen, you were very eager to give that hint. Helen, what would that hint have been? <clears throat> Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, title of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Title of the film. Fun fact, Up and Toy Story 3 have also been nominated for Best Picture. Beauty and the Beast lost Best Picture to another film about a beauty and a beast, Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) The songs in that were not as good. I don't know why that would have won. (laughs) All right, here's question number two. Nina, according to Disney, there are 13 official Disney princesses. Most of them were not born in America. But in 1995, Disney introduced the first American Disney princess in a story of conflict between British colonizers and Native Americans. Who was this character who was based on a real person? Pocahontas. Helen? That is correct. (laughs) That is correct. Fun fact, according to the National Park Service, Pocahontas was born about 1596 and named Amanut, though she also had a more private name of Matoaka. She was called Pocahontas as a nickname, which means playful one, although other sources say it means ill-behaved child. 
All right, Nina, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Lots of terrific musicians have had songs featured in 1990s Disney animated movies, and so has Phil Collins. Sorry, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Collins won his first and so far only Oscar for what song from 1999's Tarzan? I I think it's going to be You'll Be In My Heart. Is that what you're going to go with? Final answer. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Another point. Fun fact, that was actually Phil Collins' third time being nominated for an Oscar. He received nods for his song Against All Odds and Two Hearts. And to Brandon and everyone else, I apologize for the Phil Collins dig. It was just sitting right there. (laughs) Here's question number four, Nina. You still have your two hints available. Okay. Nina, when it comes to movies produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios, both the first and last movies released in the decade of the 1990s were sequels. What were their titles? I'm going to ask for a hint. All right, Helen, how about that hint? Mm -hmm. The first was a sequel to The Rescuers. The last was a sequel to Fantasia. So the answers are The Rescuers Down Under Mm -hmm. and Fantasia 2000. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. Fun fact, The Rescuers original movie was released in 1977 and the sequel in 1990. And if you think that's a long gap between sequels, Fantasia was released in 1940, the sequel in 1999, (laughs) despite having 2000 in the title. (laughs) All right, Nina, you are four for four. Have a chance to go five for five. You can get this one correct. This is tricky. In the 1998 movie Mulan, when Mulan disguises herself as a boy, what name does she use? Oh, gosh. Um, Ping? Uh, Helen? Elaborate. Yeah, a little, we need a little more information than that. Oh, shoot. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use that hint. We'll take, okay, we'll take the hint. <laughs> Helen, how about that second hint? It's two words. The first word comes after do, re, mi. And the second word commonly precedes the word pong. Fa-ping? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. (laughs) Nina West is five for five. (sighs) Those hints. I tell you, I couldn't have done it without those hints. (laughs) That's what they're there for. Fun fact, fa-ping literally translates to flower vase, though other sources say it means ill-behaved child. All right, Nina, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. I know, it's all happening. Nina looks really nervous. (laughs) Nina, you've been doing great. I don't know know. why you're so nervous. Here here we go. Nina, the directorial team of Ron Clements and John Musker helped revive Disney Animation Studios Mm -hmm. with the movie that was released in late 1989, which should put it out of your topic of the 1990s. However, that movie was so popular, it actually made more money at the box office in the 1990s than in the 1980s and proved hugely influential to the Disney animated movies to come later in the decade. So for up to three points, what was the title of this seminal movie that was a hit straddling both the 80s and 90s? And what are the two movies that that same directing team released in the 1990s, neither of which we've quizzed you about already? The film is The Little Mermaid. Okay. And the two other films that they released in the 90s. Mm-hmm. To be clear, directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. Directed by Ron Clements and John Musker would be mm-hmm. Hercules. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. In fact, we have two. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight are two award-winning film directors whose over three decades at Disney include directing several 1990s Disney animated movies. It's Ron Clements and John Musker. Oh, my gosh. Oh, nice. Hello, Ron and John. Oh, my God, you... You made all of our childhoods. <laughs> and you made all of our uh, adulthoods. It all worked out perfectly. <laughs> uh, Nina, I've noticed you've been uncharacteristically speechless since uh, Ron and John showed up. Tell, tell us what, tell us what's going on with you. This is incredible. Um, you, they, these are legends. These are Disney legends who are sitting here who really changed the course of how we all enjoy film. I mean, you both are so brilliant, and uh, I can't. I can't believe I'm having this opportunity to say hello to you. <laughs> It's great, great to say hello to you. This, this, this is really fun, and this show is great. I've been watching the show. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I've learned a lot. Oh, thank Thank you. you. Well, both, uh, both Brandon and Nina referred to a renaissance that occurred at Disney Animation Studios around this time. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about why Disney was in need of a renaissance at that time and what that renaissance actually was? Well, the Disney had made animated films, starting with Snow White, animated features. The people that made that film were our teachers at Disney. And when we got to Disney mm-hmm. in the 70s, Walt Disney himself died in 1966. Jungle Book came out in 67, was a big hit. But there was a question, would the studio continue? Because so many of these animators mm-hmm. were in their retirement age. And they then decided, we're going to embark on a training program. They hadn't really invited younger people in for the last 20 years, particularly. But they said, we're going to start doing it now. So Ron and I, and this is John Musker talking, we're, we're both part of the wave that came and learned at the feet of people like Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson and Eric Larson, the nine old men who, who did Snow White. Ron, do you want to elaborate on that? I was 20 years old when I started at Disney in oh, 1974. Wow. And after a little while, my mentor who taught me animation was Frank Thomas, who did great animation of Pinocchio. He did the dwarfs, a lot of the dwarves in Snow White. He did the spaghetti sequence in Lady in the Tramp. He did and, Bambi uh, and Thumper ice skating. I mean, he was one of the greats. Wow. Uh, yeah. He was 62 years old when I started working with him. I was 20. He was 62. And at that time, 62 seemed old to me. It seemed like really old. Somehow, I won't say how old I am right now, but 62 doesn't seem that old anymore. It seems, <laughs> yeah. like, it seems like he was a kid. He was a kid. What was I thinking? Did yeah. you have a slang for them that was the equivalent of OK Boomer? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, we were too respectful, I think. Yeah. I think, I think we, we called them sensei. I mean, it was really just sensei. <laughs> <laughs> OK, sensei. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit? For those who don't know about what a director does in animation, and and more interestingly to me, how do two people direct a same project? Well, probably in animation, you know how live action and a director says action and cut and all that. We we mm-hmm. would say draw in a race, and that would pretty much mm-hmm. cover it. Ron, do you want to elaborate on that? More, it's more <laughs> than that. We do work with all the voice actors. We actually, um, the Little Mermaid. We also wrote the original script of the Little Mermaid, and we worked very early with Howard Ashman and and Alan Maitken. We heard part of your world for the first time <gasps> in Howard Ashman's flat in Soho with Alan Maitken there. Uh, they performed it for us. Do you have notes on part of your world? <laughs> the one note on part of your world was originally it did not have things like uh, what were the made up words. Well, no, that like, was uh, like I've got gadgets yeah. and gizmos and right. plenty. I got yeah. who's it's and what's it's right. galore. You want thingamabobs? I got 20. Yeah. Oh. Right. Howard, Howard didn't have that. He had fine china and leather and things like that. They're really uh, beautifully descriptive. And we said, well, you know, she's learning these things from this idiot's 
Seagull doesn't know what anything is. So then. <laughs> oh, that's so yes. great. Howard rewrote the lyrics to be thingamabobs and who's Watsits. Mm. Oh my God. That's like the best part of yeah, the song. Yeah. Well, it worked with the story. And then one change that Howard made. Originally, he tried to channel maybe Anderson a little bit more when she's rescued the prince on the beach and she sings that reprise. It ended very sadly. He wanted it to be, you know, mm. I'll never be part of that world. That's what was originally mm. there. And we said, no, Ariel's this eternal optimist. Even though she's got all these things against her, we actually think she should be positive there. So he rewrote the lyric to say, someday I'll be part of that world. So mm. part of it world was the first song they wrote. The rest of the songs they actually wrote in L.A. in our building. We could hear the music coming out of this room where they had their little studio set up. So that was so inspiring. I mean, that was a throwback to 30s Disney in a way, even though we were in a crummy right. warehouse in Glendale. In the old days of the studio, <laughs> the director's rooms at the studio through the 30s, 40s, 50s were, uh, were called the music rooms because there was usually mm -hmm. a piano in it and they would play the songs as they issued scenes and discussed the phrasing of the action because so much of it was done to music. So, so to have wow. them writing the songs in the next room where they could then go down the hall and see Kelly Asbury and, and Gary Trousdale who are doing visual development on Under the Sea and just pick out all the different creatures that were in that. And Robbie Merkin, who was arranging it, could say, okay, I see, yeah, we, you've got that kind of thing there. Okay, we could use that for this part of the song. And there was very wow. much a back and forth. Wow. One of the other kind of last hurrahs that Little Mermaid represents is, if I understand, it was, it was the last of the Disney movies to use hand-painted cells. And John, I've read that that was a technology you didn't see coming. You didn't think it was going to be completely replaced. Yeah, we, we were so used to hand-drawing animation. Originally, it was all the cells were inked. You know, they had women who mm -hmm. had ink. They had pencil drawings of the animators onto these pieces of cellulite. Then in the 60s, in Hunter One Dalmatian, they developed a Xerox technology. They took the drawings they Xeroxed on themselves. That was the technique that we used for Little Mermaid. However, they wanted to develop an ink and paint system that would be computer driven. So there's one shot in Little Mermaid, the last shot where the ship goes off to the horizon, the big ship and two waves goodbye. That shot was done with the new CAP system, the new computer. Oh, wow. Two things. I have to say this, having time to sit here and process the fact that these two legends are in front of me, I recognize in sitting, feeling, you know, without the pressure of having already answered, I know that they, I know that they did Aladdin and I'm not, not one of my answers, first and foremost. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was wrong. The you, pressure, the pressure scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and then secondly. You, you are correct. You are yes. correct. It's, Yes, Secondly, fact, I will say fair. your inspiration of Dan, uh, I, I became friends with Dan Lund, who is a special effects animator at Disney. And we did a project together inspired basically yeah. by the bubble and yeah. your bubbles in uh, The Little Mermaid inspired this project. And, ah, okay. um, and just, uh, yeah, I mean, your impact is so important. I really hope you never know who you're going to influence oh, yes. from, from doing good work. Uh, well, now that the cat's out of the bag, let's talk a little bit about Aladdin. Uh, Ron, I saw in the interview that you said one of the great joys in all of the time that you had at Disney was working with Robin Williams. Tell us about what that was like and, and how do you direct someone like Robin Williams, and especially in such a, an improvisational role? We weren't sure we were going to get Robin. And there was a lot of question whether we would be able to get Robin. And he came in and we showed him what we were doing. And and we showed a test that uh, the lead animator in the genie, Eric Goldberg, did where he took one of Robin Williams' stand-up routines and animated to it. And Robin saw that and he, he thought it was hilarious and he agreed to do it. If people don't know, the, the, the voice is always recorded first and then the animation is done to the voice. So Robin could really just go to town. Uh, we recorded him in four-hour sessions. 
we'd have, we'd say, that was great. We'd have so much material. I mean, you with their snowboard, I got another idea, got another idea. We <laughs> keep going and going yeah. and going. I was, by the time we finished a session, the big problem was, was kind of deciding what to use in the movie. We had so much material and it was pretty much all different. What we ended up doing, uh, John and I and Eric Goldberg, we sat in a room with a transcript of everything that he had done. Oh we gosh. replayed, we replayed the recording of everything he did. And we just circle everything we thought was funny. And we give that to the editor, H. Lee Peterson. He would, he cut everything together and then we would listen to it. So the scene, original scene, like the intro of the genie was like 25 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> and then we no, just no, no, keep no. editing and editing and editing until we got it to the link that it needed to be. Hopefully we used the best stuff, but there was so much stuff that we could have <laughs> used. All right. Well, finally, let's get to the reason that you brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Nina. First, we wanted to know what was that seminal Disney Animation Studios movie that straddled both the 80s and 90s? Helen, what did Nina say? Nina said The Little Mermaid. And experts, is she correct? She was exactly correct. Yes. Exactly correct. Very nice. That's a point for Nina. Next, we want to know what were the two other films that some guys named Ron Clements and John Musker directed for Disney in the 1990s? <laughs> Helen, what was the first answer that Nina gave? Nina said Hercules. And, and that is absolutely correct. 1997, we yes. made Hercules. We did. Music we by, did Hercules. Uh, Alan Macon and David Zippel, wonderful story. And, uh, well, we'll see if Nina goes statistics when we get to the third question. We'll, we'll see. She, she, she may have hit a speed bump here, but uh, I knew was it was the... wrong. I knew it was wrong when I said it. That's OK. Let us <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll all get through this together. I promise. All right. And finally, Helen, what was the other answer that Nina gave for that cluster? Nina said the hunchback of Notre Dame. And experts? That's not correct. So, so wrong. So very, very wrong. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no. The, the hunchback of Notre Dame was directed by Gary Trousdale and Kirk Weiss, the same directors who did Beauty and the yes. Beast. Mm. They later did Atlantis as well. And uh, yeah. the movie was, in fact, Aladdin with Robin Williams. Aladdin, <laughs> yes. And somehow, Nina, our biggest fan, didn't know our most popular movie. But that's okay. Oh, oh, that's right. I chose. That's right. She's more. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> that's right. You know what? All, all real We're fans. All real fans enjoy the movie that's not the most popular. I know. Movie, so I'm I know. Sure that yeah. Explains yeah. That. All right. I'm sorry. No point there on that part, Nina. Still, you obviously did very well in that round, Nina. Before we let our experts go, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to them? Uh, just thanks for inspiring me and countless others of my generation and beyond, and dreaming and storytelling and. Sam songs and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful animated films that really shape so much of who I am. I can't believe I have this opportunity to say thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nina. Thank you so much. Yes. We really appreciate it. Really cool. And we're very happy to uh, have brought you all together. Uh, before we let you go, uh, Ron and John, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? Neither of us have any sort of website, whatever. But uh, we, uh, <laughs> but I am, I'm actually working on my own. I'm trying to, in our retirement, we both retired from Disney in the last few years. And I'm actually making my own hand animated little short, three and a half minutes long. But I, it's not going to be done for at least another six months. And I'm too, too neurotic to talk about it in detail. And I'd have to make all of your millions of listeners sign the world's biggest NDA. And I can't do that. So, uh, uh, so anyway, you know, it'll be there hopefully next year. And it, I, for the festival circuit to play here and there. And hopefully people will like it. It's a, it's a comedy. It's a music. It is musical. It's a funny little bit. Fantastic. And Ron? Yeah, I've actually been working on a book. Um, I've been writing a book about uh, 45 years I spent at Disney and the time I spent working with John. So for, for trivia experts, there's probably going to be stuff in there, maybe some stuff even people don't know. That's due to come out uh, in, in next year, I think, around this time next year. So 
That's been fun. Wow. We'll look for that. We thank both of you so much for joining us, everyone. It's Don Musker and Ron Clemens. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. much. Thank you very much. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Nina West has 10 points and Brandon Collins has zero points with a round of questions for Brandon coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Brandon about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Nina and Brandon will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Oh, boy. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Life can be stressful. I believe I've been open about my mental health struggles uh, over the years. I deal with depression and anxiety and some other stuff, and no shame in it. Therapy has been a huge help, uh, especially in this pandemic time. You may not be feeling down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress is high, you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life, someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. You'll be surprised how much it can help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. And it's more affordable than in-person therapy. See if it's for you. Ooh, and Go Fact Yourself listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash GoFact. Have your first session in under 48 hours at BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash GoFact. Get help. Get better help. Thank, Thank you, better help. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Together we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie, and also, Who's That Grandma? Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment. Elvis is a Policeman. Baby Crocodile and the Happy Twins. Leftover Potatoes? Station Wagon 3. Herbie Goes to Hell. New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Nina West and Brandon Collins. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Brandon, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the movie The Dark Knight, why Scream is the best horror film ever, and Googling. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those topics first. Why did you choose the movie The Dark Knight as something near and dear to your heart? Well, The Dark Knight is my top five of all time. It, uh, Batman's my favorite superhero character. And I watch this movie probably once a month just because wow. it's a crime Whoa. thriller with a comic book character. And say what you want about Marvel, there wouldn't be an MCU without what Christopher Nolan and that creative team did with The Dark Knight. I've seen it when it was re-released in IMAX. I've seen it multiple times in different cities. It's just amazing. Yes, but do you have it on a VHS tape with a difficult to open plastic container? I do not, but I have it on a DVD. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> which I cannot play because I have no devices that allow me to play DVD. <laughs> it's just decorative. Optical media is so 2010. All right, next, Brandon, you said why Scream is the best horror film ever for another one of your topics. Tell us about that. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a lot like Woodsboro. So when I first saw Scream, first I had to sneak and watch it late at night. My mom didn't allow me to watch horror movies. 
And that movie changed my life. It's the first film I actually bought the screenplay because mm-hmm. Kevin Williamson just killed it in regards to like the, just that first 10 minutes, right? With the, the call Whoa. with uh, Drew Barrymore's character, mm-hmm. Casey Becker. It's also a whodunit, which you don't really think about because you're thinking, right. oh, it's like a slasher film like Jason Voorhees or Mike Myers. We're not going to really know who the killer is. And it's like, oh, the killer is one of us. Mm. It's yep. the best horror movie of all time. And I see Nina nodding along and was actually uh, raising her hands in, in triumph at the uh, prospect of talking about this. Nina, you're a fan of Scream as well? I worked in a movie theater when I was in high school. And I remember standing in the back of the auditorium to watch people's reactions, seeing the popcorn jump. And yeah. it was just, I mean, really, it changed movie going and it changed that interactive yeah. audience experience. It gave us films like Blair Witch. And I mean, I know you know, like yeah. Brandon's a cinephile. Like it, yeah. changed, it changed how we consumed film and especially horror stories. Amazing. <laughs> so good. All right. And then finally, Brandon, you said you know a lot about Googling. Yes, uh, <laughs> I like to use technology to my advantage. Interesting. So that's frequently like why I go to Google a lot. And I just have figured out a way to like phrase things where I can get my information as soon as possible. So that's why I get sometimes frustrated with like my co-host when he's looking up movie facts. And I'm like, he doesn't know how to Google. This is <laughs> 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 I feel like my most commonly Googled thing is like, what does this rash mean? <laughs> <laughs> and there's just nothing. There's, I don't know if I want to know how to make that more efficient. <laughs> the most thing, recent thing I Googled was uh, I had a barbecue this past weekend with some friends and I smelled a little bit of gas. So I Googled, is it natural to smell gas on a gas grill? And he said, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Overwhelming. Yes. That's normal. <laughs> it's, it's better. It's better than when it answers questions with no run. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Brandon, to summarize, you said, you know, a lot about the movie, the dark Knight. why scream is the best horror film ever. And Googling today, we're going to quiz you about the movie, the dark Knight. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Brandon, Dark Knight is the second in the trilogy. Uh, What do you feel about the other two of the Dark Knight trilogy? Batman Begins set up that world. You know, there's there's a lot of great elements. I think it did a really good uh, job of uh, redoing Bruce Wayne's origin story. And it just set up the sequel. Like the Joker tease at the end with the car. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the audience saying, yes! Um, And the Dark Knight Rises is an epic. It brings everything full circle. It has, again, great performances. I love the whole trilogy. And back to the Dark Knight. Do you have a favorite scene or favorite line from the movie? (laughs) When Heath Ledger's just like mumbling to himself in the the jail cell. And he's like, I want my phone call. I I want want my phone call. (laughs) Or, of course, like, you know... uh, They'll cast you out like a leper. It's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of Joker scenes that I'm, my wife hates it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a wife. When you're like, when you're like cooking, cooking dinner in the kitchen, you're like, I want my phone call. I want my phone call. (laughs) She's like, stop it. It's real. I wear my uh, custom Air Force Ones that have Heath Ledger's Joker on them. Oh, okay. You're into it. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Nina, do listen closely because you can steal if Brandon gets any wrong. Nina, by the way, how much do you know about the movie The Dark Knight? I loved it. 
I haven't watched it okay. once a month like my competitor Brandon, so I might not. <laughs> I might have a problem here on this topic. <laughs> Let's see if he returned your favor of not letting him steal any. Uh, <laughs> all right, here's question number one, Brandon. It's understandable that in the title role, Christian Bale is the first billed actor in the credits, but it might surprise people that the second one isn't Heath Ledger or Morgan Freeman or Gary Oldman or Aaron Eckhart or Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's actually what Englishman who won Oscars for Hannah and her sisters and the cider house rules michael king helen that is correct that is correct fun fact in addition to the stellar cast already mentioned there's a brief appearance by the current president pro tempore of the united states senate vermont senator patrick Leahy shows up in a party scene <gasps> all right question number two decisions decisions sometimes it's so hard to make them brandon which is why in the dark night harvey dent uses what method of picking a 50 50 outcome to do it for him a double-sided coin. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. He flips a coin. Fun fact, in the movie, Dent uses a coin inspired by a 1922 United States peace dollar. A replica of the coin was included in a special edition DVD of the movie. Is that the DVD edition that you have, Brandon? No, I just have the regular DVD, but I have the special Blu-ray. Oh, forget the coin. Let's get that Blu-ray going. <laughs> All right, Brandon, another point for you. Here's question number three. Very few people in the movie know the real identity of Batman, but the Gotham police are on the case. When mentioning an ongoing investigation, a shot of a bulletin board with Batman suspects is shown with three images affixed to it. One is an important 19th century politician. One is a famous 20th century entertainer. And one is a creature of legend. Name any one of these three suspects. Can I get a hint? Helen, how about that first hint? Speaking of coins, one of these guys is on the penny. Abraham Lincoln? Ellen? That is correct. That is correct, mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln. The others were Elvis Presley and Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Fun fact, the same car driven in the Elvis movie Easy Come, Easy Go was later transformed into the Joker mobile on the 1960s Batman TV series. What? If you were looking for a connection between Batman and Elvis besides this one. All oh. right. All right, Brandon, you're three for three. Here's question number four. During an action sequence, the Joker appears inside a semi-trailer firing various weapons at police vehicles. The signage on the trailer has been altered, though, from laughter is the best medicine to what more menacing phrase? I'm going to go with a hint. Helen, how about that second hint? Only one letter was added to the beginning of of the first word of the original phrase. That is the hint. One letter was added to the beginning of the first word. Laughter is the best medicine. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Oh my gosh, I'm losing it. I'm That's lo all right. That's all right. It happens sometimes. No answer. That means Nina, you have a chance to steal. Slaughter is the best medicine. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yes, as, as if you didn't know from Brandon's groans. Yes, I think you knew that one, Brandon. Just couldn't quite pull it. Oh, no. Fun fact, the trailer was advertising Hyam's Amusement Parks, laughter, the best medicine. All right, Brandon, you have no more hints available. Here's question number five. Let's see if you can pull it. Give it your best shot. The Dark Knight was nominated for eight Academy Awards and won two. One went to the late Heath Ledger for Best Supporting Actor. The other went to Richard King for what category? Richard King. I want to say uh, visual effects. Helen, is it visual effects? It is not visual effects. No, I'm terribly sorry, Nina, with a chance to steal. I'm going to say <laughs> this wasn't expected. How about um, orchestration? Music? Helen, is it orchestration of music? It is not orchestration of music. <clears throat> no, um, we were looking for sound editing, best sound <gasps> editing. Yeah, that was 
That was a tricky one. I think the hint might have helped if that had still been available to you. Uh, all right, Brandon, you struggled a little bit toward the end there, but here now is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Brandon, there are lots of villains in the Dark Knight, and one of the bad guys is the leader of a gang, and he is named Sal Maroney, though he's not always called that. For up to three points, what are one of the two variations on the name Sal that Harvey Dent calls Maroney? By what ethnic term, not slur, but ethnic term, does the Joker refer to Maroney? And who played Sal Maroney in The Dark Knight? So I know Sal Maroney is played by Eric Roberts. Okay. Uh, what's the first part of the question? First part of the question is, what are there are two variations that Harvey Dent calls Maroney, specifically in the courtroom scene. Uh, give, give us one of those, a, a variation on the name Sal. Saul. Saul, okay. And then uh, the last one is uh, what ethnic term, and again, it's not an ethnic slur, just an ethnic term, does uh, the Joker refer to Maroney as? Italian. Saul, Italian, and Eric Roberts. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a multiple Golden Globe and Oscar-nominated actor whose amazing film career includes Star 80, Runaway Train, Inherent Vice, and playing Sal Maroney in The Dark Knight. It's Eric Roberts! <laughs> Eric Roberts! Ah! <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure. Oh, my oh. God. It's really you. Yeah, it's truly me. Oh, dude, that's such a great performance in this movie. Thank you so much. I loved your kind words earlier. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. <gasps> oh, my God. You're so handsome. I can't oh, take it. Thank you. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Roberts, it's such an honor to have you join us. I First mean of all, you got to call me Eric. Okay, I will call you Eric. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Eric, it is such an honor to have you join us. Of course, in addition to the movies that Helen mentioned in your introduction, people also remember you from such work as King of the Gypsies, Pope of Greenwich Village, The Expendables, plus dozens of TV shows and music videos. And you're actually working on something as we speak and joining us from the set. I'm in my dressing room right now, yeah. And the whole production yeah. is in the street waiting for me to talk to you. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Finally, we have power in Hollywood. Yes, you do, pal. <laughs> well, we're very grateful for that. Um, you are so prolific in your acting work. I was just going through your IMDb listening. I counted 646 acting credits. What? And I later read an interview that said that you worked on 74 films in a single year. You love to work. Why do you love working so much? It, it seems that you'll do so many different kinds of projects. Acting and to, uh, to be on a movie set, to be involved in a crew or a cast, you have one of the best jobs on the planet. And mm. I know that, and I love that, <laughs> and I chase that every day. Oh. That's so cool. You've actually gotten to play yourself multiple times. That's how many times you've been in, in movies and TV shows. You played yourself, a version of yourself in uh, The Cable Guy and on Entourage. What's the key to playing Eric Roberts? To be light and loose and happy and have fun. That's Eric Roberts. Oh. That's a very good life philosophy as well. And you're actually a, a movie geek yourself. That's how you've described yourself. Uh, what, what are some of the movies that mean the most to you? All of Hal Ashby's films, but one in particular of uh, Harold and Maude. And sure. uh, all of Bob Fosse's films, but one in particular, Star 80. And uh, The one you were in, yes. <laughs> those are my two favorites, those two guys. 
Very cool. And I know acting also helped you personally. I, I was surprised to learn that you actually were a stutterer before you got into acting. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how acting helped you deal with that uh, issue? Well, as a little boy, I had a terrible stutter. I couldn't really talk to people. My parents found out that when I memorized things, I could talk without stuttering. So it huh. became an exercise at first, and then I got good at it. And then I had had the fun with it, and then I decided to chase it. That's kind of how it all came about. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's talk about The Dark Knight. Uh, how did you get involved with that film in the first place? They called and asked me to come do it. And uh, <laughs> I went running. Are you kidding? It was, yeah. it was such a cool script. And it was so much fun to be offered you know, that movie by that man with that group of people. It was yeah. really special. I read that you said, uh, and this surprised me, that a lot of it, especially the scenes in Chicago, were like shooting a low-budget indie movie. Uh, what did you mean by that? Uh, if I said that, I probably shouldn't have. What I, what, I, what I meant was it went really fast or really quick and bam, 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 we got it all done. Yeah. Then everything got really slow when we did all the, all the Gotham City stuff. And the Gotham City stuff was actually filmed in a Zeppelin hangar, I read? It was closed down in 1919 and they opened it up to, to make it Gotham City. And if you're a movie geek, which you refer to, which I am, you walk into it and it's all Gotham City. It blows your mind. It's so Whoa. cool. Unbelievable. Do you like playing bad guys? You've played a bunch of them over the years. I love playing bad guys like I like kissing my wife every day. <laughs> I love playing bad guys. You get the best clothes, you get the best cars, you get the best girls, and you get to die usually. It's fun. <laughs> Do you know how many times you've died on camera? I don't, but I was sent a montage of all the people I've ever killed, thousands, yeah. and a oh. montage of all the times that I've been shot, hundreds. It was really yeah. fun. <laughs> Before uh, the show, I'd ask you if there's anything particular that you want to promote. And you said you wanted to promote your kids and your grandkids. So uh, let me give you the opportunity to do that now. Well, Emma Roberts, of course, is a movie star. Keaton Simons, my uh, stepson, is on uh, tour right now with Brett Young. He uh, he uh, just got back on tour with uh, with Eric Clapton. And uh, <gasps> my other daughter, Morgan Simons, uh, owns her own new catering company called <laughs> Pie Bake Shop. P.I. Bake Shop, the pie sign. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's oh, really wow. cool. So cool. those are the kids. And we have two grandkids. We have a brand new Rhodes grandson and two and a half year old granddaughter, Georgia. So Wow, you, you light up when you talk about them more than anything that you've talked about in your film career. It's a lot of fun, and they are not boring. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Knight, two of my favorite things, Dark Knight and Scream. Fun fact, Emma Roberts, not only in Scream 4, but actually one of the killers. So. Oh, dude, <laughs> be kind. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about, you actually appeared in a lot of music videos. You worked in music videos for The Killers and Akon, Rihanna and Mariah Carey. How, how do you suppose you got to be a, a music video icon? Sophie Mueller was the boss of The Killers video, and she called and offered it to me. And I turned her down because I don't do music videos. See ya. And then yeah. all my kids said, what's wrong with you? Call her back. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I called her back and said, all my kids are mad at me. Can I be in your video? And she said, yes. <laughs> so I did her video. It went number one. And then everybody yeah. started calling. And then every video I did all went number one. So I became, <gasps> oh, yeah, I I became video platinum for a minute. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Brandon regarding the character of Sal Maroney in The Dark Knight. First, we wanted to know, what are one of the two variations on the name Sal that Harvey Dent calls Maroney in court? Helen, what did Brandon say? Brandon said Saul. Mr. Roberts? Uh, no, it's not Saul. Oh, no, I'm sorry, no. What are the other two? Do you remember? Well, in the courtroom scene, it was Sally and Salvatore. Yeah, Sally and Salvatore, not Saul. No point there, sorry. All right, next we wanted to know, what is the ethnic term that the Joker referred to Maroni as? Helen, what did Brandon say? Brandon said Italian. And uh, Mr. Roberts? It is the Italian. The Italian. Do you want to give him the point for it? Yes, of course. Yes, a full point there for Brendan. <laughs> All right. And finally, we wanted to know who could it be? Who played Sal Maroney so brilliantly in The Dark Knight? Helen, what did Brandon say? Brandon said Eric Roberts. <laughs> and is he correct? <laughs> he is giving the two thumbs up. That's right. It was Eric Roberts with a big smile. Uh, Brandon, while we have our expert Eric Roberts here, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm a big fan of your career. Like, I loved you a guide to recognizing your saints uh obviously the dark knight i love your comic timing like when batman's holding you and he's like where's friends like friends have you seen this guy i'm like (laughs) (laughs) uh, thank you so much good job thank you so much i love those kind words all right uh besides your kids and grandkids is there anything else that you would like to let people know about where they can find you and your work go to ericrobertsactor.com facebook twitter instagram Eric Roberts. And I highly recommend if you want to hear any music, go to Keaton Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S. Excellent. Promoting the family business. Well, we're so happy that we found you. Thanks so much for joining us. What a privilege. Eric Roberts, everybody. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Going into the final round, Nina West has 11 points and Brandon Collins has five points. And now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Nina and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Nina, sometimes a successful TV show will inspire another show with a similar premise or characters. True. Correct. Brandon, this type of show can be called a spinoff. True. Correct. Nina, sitcoms are the only shows that have spinoffs. False. Correct. Brandon, Law and Order is a drama that's had spinoffs. True. Correct. Nina, there was a Law and Order spinoff called Law and Order Miami. False. Correct. Brandon, there was a Law and Order spinoff called Law and Order Los Angeles. True. Correct. Nina, there was a Law and Order spinoff called Law and Order UK. False. Incorrect. Blimey, there was. (laughs) Brandon, there was a Law and Order spinoff called Law and Order Trial by Jury. True. Correct. Nina, there was a Law & Order spinoff called Law & Order True Crime. True. Correct. Brandon, there was a Law & Order spinoff called Law & Order Organized Crime. True. Correct. And finally, Nina, there was a Law & Order spinoff called Law & Order Oops All Crime. <laughs> False. Correct. <laughs> That's right. We're not going to count that last one. Just a lovely reference to my favorite Captain Crunch-related cereal. Uh, let's thank <laughs> Nina West and Brandon Collins as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's episode? I am at the end of the game. Nina West has 15 points and Brandon Collins has 10 points. Oh, very nice catching up there, Brandon, but not quite enough to capture Nina. Nina, congratulations. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? I will go back and I will watch the Clements and Musker catalog over again. (laughs) 
an excellent way to celebrate. All right, we just want to let everyone here on the show promote anything they might like. Nina West, where can people find you and your work? You can find me on all social media channels at, at Nina West. And don't forget to check out Hairspray coming to a city near you. Yay! Go to hairspraytour.com for more information and tickets. Excellent. It's a show that I love and I would love to see you in it when it comes to my town. Thank you so much for joining us, Nina West. Really appreciate it. Brandon Collins, what a pleasure to host you. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Y'all can follow me in American Collins and all social media platforms, AmericanCollins.com and check out Media and Popcorn on all podcast players. Excellent. We're happy that you checked this out today, Brandon Collins. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, which of your many, many projects would you like to let our listeners know about today? You can see me on the second season of Never Have I Ever on Netflix, which is a fantastic show. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in it. (laughs) But it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. (laughs) And you can follow me on the social media at funny Helen Hong, because that other Helen Hong is not funny. (laughs) She definitely has not shown any evidence of it. The lovely Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Brandon Collins, Nina West, Ron Clements, John Musker, Eric Roberts, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live someday. I think maybe someday soon. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Rochelle Tagger did. He, she, or they said, love it. Love the show. Thanks, Rochelle Tagger. Love the review. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Special thanks to Lori DeWall at DeWall and Associates, Debbie Pressman at PAL Public Relations, Eliza Roberts, Cindy Leong, Barbara Dale, Chris Pina, Tom Bergeron, Jane Edith Wilson, Ainsley Bubico, Ross Blotcher, Pete Cunningham, Bob Skier, Kevin Gadzelinski, Carolina Hoyos, Sarah Rodenbaugh, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Medef, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Velada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch over 600 Eric Roberts movies. And the Disney animated catalog from the 90s. Part of your world. <laughs> hey, hey, everyone. Just a reminder to please fill out our audience survey. It just takes a few minutes and helps keep the few ads we run relevant to you. Go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey, that's A-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y, to fill it out. Thank, Thank you, survey, survey fillers. fillers. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.